the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The John Staggerwald Show, sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Portions of today's program may be pre-recorded. California gets dumber by the day. Not everybody who lives there, but, you know, the politicians, almost all of whom are Democrats, of course, and the dumb people who vote for them, too. Here's the latest, though. Assembly Bill 257 passed yesterday. It authorizes the creation of a fast food council. It'd be made up of uh, 10 people appointed by the governor and the Speaker of the Assembly and the Senate Rules Committee. And then these 10 people would establish, quote, sector-wide minimum standards for wages, working conditions, and working hours. There are a half million fast food workers in California. Uh, it doesn't say here how many of them are illegal aliens, but you've got to figure there are a lot of those. And now some bureaucrats will appoint 10 other bureaucrats to tell owners of restaurants how much they have to pay their employees. This is a free country, the last I heard. Anyway, it's supposed to be. How much overtime they're allowed to have them work, that's also going to be part of it. What, what could go wrong there? I mean, but, but what about the people who paid good money to buy a franchise, and now they're going to be told that they'll be making a lot less money on their investment? Because some government idiots think that they have some idea of how much a fast food worker should make or how much that worker is worth to the owner of the business. How about employees and employers determine among themselves what is a fair wage? And if you're working at a fast food restaurant, you don't like how much money you're being paid? Here's an idea. Go to another fast food restaurant. See if you can get some more. The guy paying the bills has a better idea of what you're worth as a hamburger flipper than some idiot bureaucrat in Sacramento who's never run a business, most likely. And why are fast food restaurants, by the way, the only business being targeted here? I mean, is it because working in a fast food restaurant is that much tougher than other menial jobs? Uh, uh, who's looking out for the, for the guy who, I don't know, empties the Porta Johns? Is there anybody in Sacramento looking into how much he's being paid? And, and by the way, as long as we're on that subject... Has the state of California looked into the diversity in that industry? Are women well represented? I have a feeling there are not a lot of women working in that business, and somebody should do something about it. Anyway, maybe the geniuses in Sacramento can look into that, too. Of course, what this stupid uh, new law is going to do is raise prices for everybody who shows up to eat fast food, and it'll probably mean layoffs because no matter what the government says, a franchise owner is going to decide how much labor is worth to him and what, it, what its effect is on his bottom line. This is what you get when you have liberal Democrats in charge. They just can't leave people alone. When we come back, we're going to take a look at an idiotic comment from John Fetterman, maybe find out how anybody got him to say anything. That, that might be a story in itself. And in our second half hour, good news for dogs everywhere, especially beagles. Stick around. The coming midterm election may be the most important in our country's history. The battle lines are drawn. America's soul is on the line, and now is your chance to help freedom win. This is John Stagerwald. Join us Thursday, October 20th, when AM 1250 The Answer presents the Battleground Talkers Tour 2022, the Midterm Showdown. It'll be live at the Double Tree by Hilton and Green Tree. Here, Salem media hosts Mike Gallagher, Hugh Hewitt, Dennis Prager, and Brandon Tatum dissect the upcoming election, learn what's at stake, and take part in a vigorous discussion about the issues that are so crucial to you, your family, and community. We'll discuss the economy and inflation, the border crisis, our civil rights that are under attack, higher taxes, and the real effects the Biden administration is having on this country. It'll be a night you won't forget that could make all the difference in this coming election. 7.30 p.m. Thursday, October 20th, following a VIP dinner at 6. General admission, just $20. Get details and tickets now at theanswerpgh.com. People do some pretty cool things in their 40s and 50s. Why should saving for retirement be any different? I mean, they go back to college, learn new instruments, start skateboarding, 
Okay, maybe that one's not for everybody, but saving for retirement is. With aceyourretirement.org, you can get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. Just have a three-minute chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach from AARP. You'll get personalized recommendations based on your input that are easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Gnarly move, Dad. Thanks, sweetie. So wherever you are in your retirement savings journey, head to aceyourretirement.org and start chatting with Avo today. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. When it's time to replace your roof, siding, gutters, and downspouts, entry doors, and, of course, windows, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Stoggerwall. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for all your exterior home projects. Why pay double with some other companies? Windows R Us will always give you the best price on the best in-class products, backed by the best warranties in the industry, all with zero sales pressure. And speaking of zero... Right now, get zero interest financing for 12 months and no processing fee with prices set to increase on all exterior products. Lock in your quote today. Schedule a free estimate and inspection today at windowsarustpittsburgh.com. You've tried the rest, now try the best. windowsarustpittsburgh.com. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, call Select Quote at 1 800 690 4040. That's 1 800 690 4040. Or go to SelectQuote.com. 1 800 690 4040. That's 1 800 690 4040. Select Quote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Hi, I'm Jackie Dorman. Are you longing to find your soulmate, but you're tired of online dating, singles ministries, blind dates, or even being set up on bad dates by well-meaning family and friends? If none of that's worked for you and you have no idea how to meet marriage-minded men or even truly Christian men who will seek you out for a lasting, committed relationship without the head games, then I invite you to join me in my free Married in 12 Months Challenge. Look, there's nothing good or sacred or even noble about sitting in the waiting room. So in this challenge, I'm going to teach you why now is your time to find love. What are the lies that are holding you back? Why God wants you married? the biblical law of attraction, and the tools you need to become a bride. Don't wait any longer. Just sign up for my free Married in 12 Months Challenge today at lovestories.com and you can step into the love story that God has already written about you. That's lovestories.com. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, somewhere along the way, uh, John Fetterman, before John Fetterman went into hiding, uh, he said, that he doesn't believe in voter ID because, quote, people of color are less likely to have their ID. Now, aside from being an insulting comment, it's also wrong and moronic. Hans von Spakovsky is the manager of Election Law Initiative at the Heritage Foundation. He's also a former member of the Federal Election Commission, and he joins us now. Always good to have you, Hans. Thanks for coming on again. Sure, thanks for having me. So uh, is it kind of amazing that any serious candidate for any office is still trying to sell what Fetterman's selling there? Yes, it's, it's just astonishing to me that folks continue on the progressive side to make those kind of ridiculous claims. And it's ridiculous for a number of reasons. I mean, first of all, uh, look, the first voter ID laws were in place in 2008. <laughs> so we have a lot of years worth of turnout data to see, well, what happened in those states, places like Georgia, places like Indiana. And not only did 
the turnout, uh, for example, of black voters not go down in Georgia, it went up. In fact, they've had record registration, record turnout in the state of Georgia for years now with a voter ID law in place. In fact, and that's the same thing everywhere else. And as for the poor, every single state that has put in an ID requirement has put in a provision saying, hey, if you don't already have an ID, we'll provide one to you for free. What what if if I'm a, a, a poor person and uh, for some reason I don't have an ID? I, may, I, maybe this is an unfair question for you, but I'm just wondering um, what do I do? How do I get my ID? What what would be difficult about that? Do I show up at the the Department of Motor Vehicles or something? Well, how do I get something to, to, that's an official state ID? Well, it depends on the state, but in a lot of states, not only can you go to the DMV office, but in a lot of places, you can go to your local county election office okay. also, and they they will provide you with an ID. I mean, it's just, it is so easy. Um, we actually wrote a paper at Heritage a couple of years ago, because when uh, when Virginia put in an ID requirement, all these groups here said, oh, my gosh, all these people won't be able to vote. They won't be able to get the free ID. And they claimed upwards of a million people in the state of Virginia would be unable to get an ID and vote. Um, the law went into place not only to turn out go up in Virginia after the ID law went in place, but I checked with the state. You know how many people in the first year, the ID law actually applied to get the free ID. It was like 2,500 people out of the millions and millions of people that are registered in the state. It's kind of hard to exist in the United States of America with some, yeah. without something that tells people who you are. What, you can't, you can't right. rent a car. You can't get a hotel room. You, what can you do without an ID? It, you can't do anything. And um, this idea or this kind of claim that all these people don't have an ID, like I said, it's just been proven to be totally false. Um, an overwhelming number of Americans already have a driver's license. Mm -hmm. Because, as you know, we don't have a national ID card like Canada or European countries do. So our unofficial ID card is everybody's state driver's license. And in the vast majority of states, the number of people who have a driver's license and who are also voters in the uh, is in the upper 90 you know percentiles i mean it's just it, it's just a huge number and like i said for the few people who don't have one hey you can go get a free photo id and you're golden yeah uh, this is a different subject but uh you mentioned canada a little scary thing there is that they're they might be going overboard with the id thing there i don't have the details but but they're talking about digital id up there where everybody is it's kind of scary what's going on there. So that can be overdone anyway, can it? Too much ID? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, that's why we don't have a national ID card, because people here are, and I think justifiably so, paranoid about the government having that kind of information about us. Yeah, now the Democrats have to be aware of the polls that show that most people uh, prefer uh, ID being required. So, so what reason other... Uh, then the ability to cheat would make them so insistent on opposing it. What other re what, what's the good re if if that's a bogus claim and most people with a brain know that it is one? There's still John Fetterman's running for office right now and he's he's still saying it. So how what what could their reason be for insisting on it other than making it easier to cheat? Uh, I think it shows a patronizingly racist attitude by anyone who says that they obviously don't think that if those are folks who they want voting for them, they obviously have a very dismissive attitude towards them and don't think they're capable of getting an ID. I, I, I can't think of any other reason for it other than that, or that they want to continue to make it easy to cheat in elections. It's, it's one or the other. Well, of course now John Fetterman has said it, and this is Pennsylvania, where there are a lot of questions about what happened the last time uh, in 2020. Um, and he's now in hiding. He's not going to answer any. He's, I don't know if anybody's ever going to be able to ask him any question about anything before Election Day. But he's out there still selling it. Uh, what do you think it, is the effect on him saying that? Uh, are people, is anybody believing it? And, and are the media 
at fault here for not pressing him on it, or pressing all these candidates who say it. Are they giving him a pass on the stupidity? Not just Fetterman, but yes. all of them? Yeah, no, I think they are giving them a pass. And, and uh, the polling shows that most people are just going to discount that. They, they just don't believe that. That's why the polling shows that an overwhelming majority of all Americans and that it doesn't matter what race they are. It doesn't matter whether they're they support Republicans or Libertarians or Independents or support Democrats. An overwhelming number of Americans say voter ID is a common sense requirement. In fact, the last poll I showed, I saw showed like eighty four percent of Americans. It's the one issue yeah. that people agree on, no matter what their views are on other issues. Again, that gets back to my question before. That's what I don't get. Um, Democrats, Republicans, too, they're politicians. They study polls. They see what issues um, that work for them and what issues they should be focusing on in order to get people to vote for them. But this is the one that the Democrats ignore, the, the one that shows 84 percent. This is the one vote that they just they don't worry about appealing to those people who feel that way. And that's, again, it's just very strange to me. Well, it is, but keep in mind, too, that um, uh, folks like that are running for office to have to raise money, and it is blasphemy to say voter ID is okay when you're talking to any of the so-called civil rights groups or right. the big foundations and others that have lots and lots of money that they pour into uh, political races. Now, you mentioned Georgia, and... Um I, I don't hear the Democrats talking all that much about Georgia anymore, or the media. No, they didn't, because remember, they were all predicting that yeah. uh, the uh, reforms of the Georgia passed last, last year would suppress the vote yeah, and yeah. cause terrible things to happen, and the exact opposite happened. Again, they had record registration, and they had record turnout, particularly of minority voters in Georgia in this, in, in this election. We're talking to Hans von Spakovsky. He's the manager of Election Law Initiative at the Heritage Foundation and also uh, served on the Federal Election Commission. Um, so um, Fred Lucas, your colleague at the Heritage Foundation, uh, has an election integrity scorecard out there. Georgia was ranked, if I'm reading it right, Georgia was ranked second best. New York, California, and Illinois, three pretty important states, are all in the bottom ten. Any surprise there? This is for integrity. Uh, no, no, there's no, no surprise. Um, it's probably also not a surprise that California is 49th in the country in terms of the worst uh, election laws uh, when it comes to protecting the integrity and security election process. No, uh, and and the, to the, to the top states, the top states are all red states, yep, you know, red 10. states who are willing to actually do something about that. Every state in the top 10 is a red state. Now, yeah. if a Democrat were to make that or a liberal were to make that uh, same uh, chart or come up with the same scoreboard, would the scores be the same? Or different, different, uh, depending on which side you're on, do you consider different things, signs of integrity? Yeah, they, they would, they would, we gave a positive rating to states, for example, that have a voter ID requirement, uh, progressive groups would give a negative rating to states that have an ID requirement. Similarly, uh, we gave a negative rating to states if they have automatic voter registration. Uh, progressives would uh, do the exact opposite because progressives are, are pushing things that endanger the security of the election process, like same-day voter registration, automatic voter registration, all-mail elections. Those are the things they want to put in place, all of which would make our elections more insecure. Now, Pennsylvania is 17th on that list, uh, but might be trying to move up and get, become uh, <laughs> higher up in the lack of integrity category. Uh, the state just decided to combine a registration form, uh, mail-in ballot, and with a mail-in ballot, instead of keeping them as separate forms, saw this, I'll give credit to the Federalists, that's where I saw that story, uh, this story today. Why is that a problem less than three months before an election, uh, you know, doing something like that? Well, it's like they intentionally want to confuse voters. Because if you're already registered to vote, but you get a form that is a combined form of registering to vote 
and requesting an absentee ballot. I mean, I've already seen the stories about voters who are confused, who don't know, well, does that mean my, I'm no longer registered and I have to re-register? I mean, it's, it's a, I, I, with all the prior problems Pennsylvania had in the 2020 election, particularly with election officials changing the rules, waiving the uh, laws put in by the legislature to now do this. I, I've never heard of a combined form like that. Like I said, it's a recipe for confusing voters. Yeah, it's processing two different actions with one form, correct? So, yeah, yes, so, exactly right. So you're, you're looking to see if someone is registered, and then you're also at the same time, you have to separate that out from whether they mailed in a ballot or got a mail-in What? Uh, where's the confusion going to come in? Well, the confusion is going to come in, as reports have already said, of voters um, thinking that they have to re-register to vote at the same time they are requesting a mail-in ballot or not realizing that um, they may think they're registering to vote uh, and they want to vote in person, but they don't understand that it's two different forms and they fill out both sides, and they get an absentee ballot in the mail. I mean, it's just one thing after another like that. And the uh, in the story in the Federalist, the election director of Bucks County was quoted. Uh, he said, "He says a few weeks ago, quote, the consensus against this move. He's talking about other uh, county officials around the state. Right. The consensus against this move was so resounding that a work group was formed to provide meaningful feedback to the state. So the state." As actually did this after hearing from the people in charge of having uh, making sure that the, there's integrity in the election, those people resoundingly said that they hated it, and they resoundingly said too bad and did it anyway. Right? Yeah, that's right. And look, you're—I hate to say this, but your state Department of Elections has a horrible reputation. Look, it was just a few years ago that the Secretary of State Pedro Cortez had to resign after it was discovered that a glitch in the statewide voter registration system had allowed over 10,000 aliens to get registered to vote without detection by, by state officials. And that's, that's just one of many problems that Pennsylvania has, and this just adds, adds, adds even more to that. So what are the chances of, on Election Day, anybody in Pennsylvania knowing who won the, the race for governor or senator? On election night. Well, given well, given how long it, sta- it took the state to uh, try to figure out who won your primary. Yeah, you're right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's it going to be? What's going to happen during the general election? I I don't know. Well, could you make a case that this thing with the with the two two forms in one? Could you make a case that it's a deliberate attempt to cause confusion, or could it possibly just be stupidity, incompetence? It's hard for me to believe it's in. If it's in, it's intentional. I, it, it just seems like it's uh, incompetence, particularly when every single county election official in the state has said this is a very bad idea. I, I, why would you go forward with something when all the county people and they're the ones who actually run the polling places? They're the ones who have to count the votes. They're the ones who have to process the absentee. Why would you do something that they say? It is, is a bad idea. Got about a minute left with Hans von Spakovsky uh, of the, the Heritage Foundation. What about a no-excuse mail-in voting? Uh, we saw that uh, pop up during the pandemic. Is that going to be a factor again? Well, it probably will. Uh, I don't think that's a good idea. States you know, states need absentee ballots for people who really can't make it to the polls. But no-fault absentee is a bad idea. People should be encouraged as much as possible to vote in their polling places. Why? Well, because absentee ballots are the ballots most vulnerable to being stolen, to fraud, um, and to voters being pressured and coerced to vote a particular way in their homes, uh, something that's not going to happen in a polling place. Well, I'm looking forward to a very confusing and annoying election night here in Pennsylvania. <laughs> in November. I think it's going to be the same old thing again. Hans, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Sure thing, anytime. Okay, that's Hans von Spakovsky of the Heritage Foundation. We'll be right back.
With SRN News, I'm John Scott, the Secret Service official at the center of the January 6th committee hearing departs the agency. Details from Bernie Bennett. Secret Service Communications Chief Anthony Gugliami confirmed Tony Ornato's departure, adding that he retired after 25 years of service. Ornato, who at the time of the attack was serving as Mr. Trump's Deputy Chief of Staff, came into the spotlight during testimony by former White House aide Cassidy Hutchinson, who said Arnado told her that the president was, quote, irate when Robert Engel, the special agent in charge for Secret Service at the time, told the former president he could not go to the Capitol that day. Arnado has said he is willing to dispute Hutchinson's account under oath, but he's not so far spoken publicly about it. Bernie Bennett in Washington. Texas confirming the first death of a person diagnosed with monkeypox. The patient was an adult resident of Harris County who was severely immunocompromised. The case is under investigation. This is SRN News. I'm Chuck McDowell, founder of Wesley Financial Group, and I'm still mad at timeshare companies. For over a decade, I've been fighting to clean up the timeshare industry by getting folks out of bad timeshares. But after all those battles, I'm still asked, how do they sell timeshares for $25,000 when they're available online for only a dollar? Here's how they do it. They lie. They tell you things like, timeshare's a great investment. You can go anywhere, anytime, or your maintenance fees will never go up. Everything they do to get you to sign a timeshare agreement is part of a well-planned trap. If you've ever been held hostage at a timeshare presentation and bought, Wesley Financial Group is here to help. To date, we've canceled timeshares for over 30,000 families. And I guarantee you this, we'll cancel your timeshare or you'll pay nothing. Call now for your free timeshare cancellation guide. 800-478-7733. That's 800-478-7733. 800-478-7733. AM 1250, The Answer. Brandon Tatum. I want you guys to be informed and be aware of what the government is doing and how they're lying to us about student loan forgiveness. I understand if I have money and I loan it to you and you never pay me back, I'm out of my money. The difference between me and the government is that I worked hard for my money. The government is stealing your money to give to other people to win votes. We'll talk about it more on the next Officer Tatum Show. The Officer Tatum Show. Later tonight at 7 on AM 1250. 1250, the answer. Summer is here and the open road awaits. This is John Stagerwald and Pitt Cycles has what you're looking for. Choose from a huge selection of 136 models from Indian, Triumph, KTM, Royal Enfield, and more. Plus, some big exciting changes coming just around the bend. Get your trade-in value in seconds at PittCycles.com and see just how easy it is to take your ride to a whole new level. Pitt Cycles in Warrendale, next to Jurgles. Reserve now and beat the rush at PittCycles.com. My dog was scratching and shedding like crazy around the house. When I heard about Dynavite Nutritional Supplement, I thought, why not? Couldn't hurt. We literally tried everything else. Our dog quickly took to it, and after a couple of weeks of adding Dynavite to his food, we noticed a big difference. Our little gizmo's coat was shinier, and he almost completely stopped shedding and itching. I can't wait to see how well it helps him with his allergies as the seasons change and he's in the yard more. I'm so glad I tried Dynavite. My dog smelled so bad and scratched herself constantly. We bathed, sprayed, and bathed her again, but no results. Then I heard about Dynavite supplements for gut health, and all of the reviews sounded just like my Bella. After just two weeks, she had major improvements with the smell, and no more scratching or dragging her stomach across the carpet. And her coat is more beautiful than ever. Happier, healthier with every bite. Over a million pets helped with Dynavite. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Lots of slow going now on the Parkway East. There's an accident blocking the left lane in between Edgewood Swissvale and the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Your inbound trip starts with the jam up around Forest Hills on down. On the outbound side, tying up Boulevard of the Allies up to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Still not too bad on the Parkway West. Outbound 51, a little delay, Midwood Avenue to Library Road. Heavy inbound 28, approaching Chestnut Street. An accident just cleared there. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. Mainly clear skies expected for tonight. We'll see areas of fog late tonight, the low 59. Mostly sunny tomorrow. It'll be pleasant and less humid. The start of an extended period of comfortable weather will reach a high tomorrow of 77. 
Clear skies tomorrow night. Good weather for sleeping below 58. Mostly sunny Thursday. It will be pleasant. We'll reach a high Thursday of 78. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Hey, before we get to our guest, real quick, uh, I want to make sure I remind you that I will be out at Pitt Cycles in Warrendale next to Jurgles the day after tomorrow, this Thursday. Yesterday I made the mistake and said it's a week from Thursday. Sorry about that. It is Thursday, day after tomorrow. I'll be there from 4 to 6. We'll do the show live from 5 to 6. And they are the new home of BMW Motorcycles. And you'll be able to check out the BMW lineup and also win some prizes, including a grand prize of a $400 remote starter or detailing package uh, from Team Nuts uh, in Castle Shannon. So day after tomorrow at War- at uh, Pit Cycles in Warrendale, next to Jurgles. See you there. Visit pitcycles.com for all the details. Now, uh, Dr. Fauci um, announced that he's quitting his job in December after the midterms, but it's not a retirement um, he says he's looking forward to the next phase of his career, whatever that is. I'm rooting for the next phase of his career to be spent in a prison cell, but that might be asking too much. Um, everybody knows his effect on humans around the world. Not as many people know about what he did to dogs. Justin Goodman is the senior vice president of the White Coast White Coat Waste Project. He knows it all too well, and he joins us now. Thanks for coming on again, Justin. How Thanks for you? having me, John. It's a pleasure. Good. I'm great. Uh, good. Uh, and so uh, let's do a quick recap for people who don't know about the evil Dr. Fauci's relationship with or two dogs, because there's still people who haven't heard about this. Yeah, absolutely. So our taxpayer watchdog group, White Coat Waste Project, exposed last year that Anthony Fauci's division at the NIH has been funding horribly cruel and wasteful experiments on puppies, uh, beagles, other dogs. Uh, with taxpayer dollars in which these animals are being force-fed experimental drugs, uh, uh, infested with ticks and flies, um, all horrible, all kinds of horrible abuses, both in the laboratories at Fauci's division at the NIH and universities and colleges across the country and some private private companies, excuse me. Um, We had some success, as you and I discussed last time I was here, working with Senator Joni Ernst, to shut down a series of five new dog tests for a runny nose drug that Anthony Fauci was intending to fund with nearly $2 million in taxpayers' money. So those tests aren't going forward. Um, But he is still funding lots of other testing on dogs. And the problem we've discovered goes beyond Fauci into other areas of the NIH and divisions of the NIH as well. So now, you know, obviously, good riddance, Anthony Fauci. This guy's the bureaucrat behind Beaglegate, this controversy over dog testing. He's the white coat behind funding the Wuhan lab, as you and I have discussed. Um, and we've got to do something to make sure that Anthony Fauci and whoever takes over for him at NIH when he leaves in December uh, can't waste taxpayer dollars to torture dogs. I actually saw the word cocaine in um, one of the stories about what was going on with the dogs. Yeah, so we just had a, a column published with Congressman Greg Stubbe from Florida, Republican, uh, talking about his new legislation that we're, you know, we're helping him rally support for and trying to pass called the Protecting Dogs Subjected to Experiments Act. And Congressman Stubbe introduced this bill to cut funding for all NIH testing on dogs. As I mentioned, some of the testing on dogs happens outside of Fauci's division, and one of the projects we exposed last year was that the NIH was spending $2 million to, and this goes to what you just raised, literally to inject beagle puppies with cocaine to test a drug, an anti-cocaine abuse drug. So what they're doing is they're injecting puppies with cocaine and then injecting them with experimental drugs to see if they can prevent the the puppies from becoming addicted. And uh, were the tests beneficial to anybody? No, you know, the the insult to all of this injury, you know, to both taxpayers in terms of wasting their money and obviously the abuse to animals is that the NIH itself admits that 90% of drugs that pass these animal tests fail in people because the drugs don't work, so they're ineffective or they're toxic. They're actually dangerous, even when they're shown to be safe in animals. It's incredibly wasteful, incredibly inefficient. Uh, the return for investment uh, for taxpayers is horrendous. And we shouldn't be forced to 
foot the bill for it. So that's why we're working with Congressman Stubbe and other folks like Scott Perry from Pennsylvania, Brian Fitzpatrick from Pennsylvania, who are all rallying behind this effort to defund the NIH's abuse of dogs. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the uh, the legislation uh, a little bit later on, but let's talk about that for a second. Um, what is it exactly that uh, the, the law would do, and um, where, where is where is it right now in the process? So the bill was just introduced last week, so it's brand new. Right now we're working on getting co-sponsors on the bill. Uh, again, Greg Stubbe from Flo- Congressman Greg Stubbe from Florida introduced it. We just added Scott Perry as a co-sponsor today. And we're going to be working uh, over the next few months to add as many co-sponsors as possible with an eye towards the new Congress that will start in January and hitting the ground running with lots of bipartisan support is what we're hoping. Uh, There's another bill in Congress that was introduced by Congresswoman Nancy Mace to specifically cut funding for dog testing by Anthony Fauci's NIH division. And that has support from both Republicans and Democrats. And we've been doing polling showing that 73% of Republican and Democratic voters oppose the NIH's funding for dog testing. So this is, you know, it's a great issue about taxpayer waste and animal abuse that really can bring together folks on the left and the right to fight for a common cause that we should all be able to agree on. What would, what would, what is the, um, the argument you get from the 27% who are okay with it? What are they saying? (laughs) I mean, I'd like to hear who, are there people in Congress who say, no, I'm, I'm in favor of this testing. I think it's doing, uh, I think it's uh, doing a lot of good. Are there people actually saying that? No. So I don't, I think if, if there are people in Congress who are thinking that they're keeping it to themselves, I think they know better than, you know, they know their constituents don't want to be forced to foot the bill for this waste and abuse. Uh, and they're certainly not going to stick their necks out and defend, you know, beagle torturers. Um, but, you know, there are people, and I think we see this in Anthony Fauci in general, despite all of the, uh, listen, as far as I'm concerned, Anthony Fauci is the poster child for waste, fraud, and abuse in the federal government. He funded the Wuhan lab. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's lied about it. Lied about he it. Yeah. actively tried to cover it up lied about it to Congress in congressional testimony, and then has lied about lying to Congress and has not been held accountable. Um, But there's people who, despite all of that, despite a pandemic that's killed 6 million people that the FBI and experts around the world believe came from the lab that Anthony Fauci funded, there's people who are still naming their dogs after this guy. So I think there is a, you know, there is a a proportion of the the American public that that he can't do any wrong. And I think those are the people who are going to support him, whether he's torturing dogs or funding gain-of-function experiments, uh, he's, he has a, a loyal fan base. But I think most reasonable, reasonable level-headed people in this country um, are willing to say that even if they stand shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder with Anthony Fauci on other issues, they'll go, to toe-to-ho- they'll go toe-to-toe with him on dog torture. And that's just a bridge too far for most people, and it should be. Yeah, and uh, he's the highest-paid federal employee. Uh, he's, and he's, when he retires from that, He's going to get a pension. It's like three hundred fifty thousand dollars a year pension. So he's doing okay for himself. So um, Fauci was running the National Institute of Health. Is there any way he could have been unaware of what they were doing to beagles or in other dogs? So I think it's unlikely he was unaware because some of this testing is happening in his own laboratory that he runs at the NIH. Um, a few years ago, we, we, one of the experiments we uncovered were happening in the NIAID's in-house laboratories. And in that case, dogs, uh, beagles were being infested with sand flies, and there were photos taken of those dogs, actually. We, have the, we got those photos through the Freedom of Information Act, dogs with big sores all over them uh, from being infested with these insects intentionally uh, in the laboratory. Um, so I, don't think, I think he was aware of it. Listen, this guy has been addicted to animal testing for 50 years. I mean, he, uh, he, was, he was infecting chimps with HIV in the 80s, saying this, this was going to be the silver bullet cure for HIV and AIDS. Obviously, that didn't work out. We still don't have a vaccine for that. Um, he is still personally involved in animal testing to this day. He is the lead experimenter on a, a bunch of different monkey experiments that are currently being funded by taxpayers. Um, he is a co-author on research. He is still conceiving of new animal experiments. This is all in the public record. Um, this guy never met an animal experiment he didn't like. I'm just wondering, though, his as as head of the uh, NIH, um, is it is it hands on? Is he 
Is it are, who's coming up with the ideas of of how to use the dogs and what what drugs to test on them? I, I just wonder right. how much how much he's responsible for it as far as generating what's going on and how much he's responsible for just looking the other way. Well, I think, listen, as the head of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, which has a $6 billion budget, Fauci has, has, controls a $6 billion annual budget. If he's going to accept credit for things he wasn't personally involved in, like the vaccines and other things that his agency has done, then he also needs to accept the blame for crappy things that his agency is doing, like torturing dogs. So, you know, whether he was personally involved in making these decisions when they first happened, he's certainly aware of them now. He has the authority to do something about it, and he hasn't, which that, is why we're happy to see him go. That was my next question. Even if he were to, to claim that he, he knew nothing, uh, I, I, geez, I'm shocked by this. I had no idea we were doing this with beagles. He knows now, and um, he's and they are, as we speak, is the NIH still testing on animals right now? Yeah, his agency is still testing on dogs, and he's defending it in letters to Congress. What's he See, saying? This guy's shameless. He says that this is you know this is the only way to improve human health is by torturing dogs. When you have an agency like the Department of Veterans Affairs, where we've had a campaign going for five years, the VA has cut its use of dogs in experiments by eighty-seven and a half percent over the last five years by restricting their use, putting up, you know, creating a really high bar and making sure that experiments that don't need to happen aren't being funded with taxpayer dollars. Nothing like that is happening at NIH under Anthony Fauci. If anything, he's been doubling down on dog abuse rather than being uh, thoughtful about it and following the lead of other agencies like the VA, like the EPA, like the FDA that are making efforts to move away from animal testing because it's cruel and because it's wasteful. Is there anything? Is there any, is there any corruption involved in this? Aside from this being rotten and not inhumane and everything else that it is, is there is there anything that's being done, even though it is already illegal to do? So you know, there, so there, that's a great question, and I think there have been certainly examples of things that have smelled very fishy. So we exposed experiments that NIAID, Fauci's division, was funding in Tunisia, where they were infesting dogs with sand flies, locking them in cages outside overnight so they'd be bitten with flies, uh, drugging dogs and locking them in cages and having hundreds of flies eat them alive. Uh, there's records of that. There's grant applications that we've received through the Freedom of Information Act documenting that the, the Fauci funded those things, and they've publicly denied it. And they've said that those were typographical errors and oversights in public records. Then, meanwhile, we have records showing that they very clearly funded these things, yet they've denied it publicly. And it's fueled places like the Washington Post that call Beaglegate and, this, and all of the abuse that we've exposed to conspiracy theory when it's very well documented. Yeah, that, um, that's because of their um, their love of Dr. Fauci and their belief that they are there in the business of defending everything that he does, having to do with COVID and having to do with this. So they they've decided he can do no wrong, and even even torturing beagles, they either either came up with an excuse for doing it or or saying that oh no, just don't believe that it's not happening. John, they literally ran a cover story. On their print edition on a, a weekend, defending his dog torture. I remember that. This yeah. is the same paper. This is the same paper that five years ago wrote about our organization as a picture of bipartisan success for our work to end taxpayer-funded dog experiments. Then, when Fauci became the target of us, we became the target of the Washington Post. It's outrageous. You were out and to get Doctor Fauci, right? Exactly, exactly, and that's you know, and that's uh, an unforgivable sin as far as the Washington Post is concerned. But the FDA has come out repeatedly and said we do not require that tests on dogs be conducted to to assess new drugs. Yet Fauci's division again and again has funded experiments on dogs to test new drugs at a cost of millions of dollars for taxpayers. So here you have the, their peer agency, the FDA, saying you don't need to do this. And Fauci's agency continuing to fund it. Just recently, those tests we shut down were for purposes of submitting a new drug to the FDA, doing something that the FDA itself has said is unnecessary. Yet Fauci 
continues to his division, and he personally is now involved. He knows the stuff is going on. He's commented to the Washington Post. He's commented to BuzzFeed specifically about these campaigns that we're running. So he's aware of it, and it's still happening anyway. We're talking to Justin Goodman. He's the senior vice president of the White, white the the White Coat. I want to say White Coast White Coat Waste Project. Um, so uh, you know, I know that that um, that people who are in the business of selling meat, uh, there are people who try to. From what I understand, what I'm, I'm I believe this is the case. There there are people, uh, I guess, from the government in charge of making sure that. Those animals uh, on their way to being slaughtered at least are being treated humanely on the way uh, and while they're being raised. Is there anybody who is there is there any government agency or are there government people who when whatever this, these uh, experiments are uh, approved by whoever approves them, who show up and, and want to make sure that this stuff is being done as humanely as possible? There are, but the problem we have right now with federal law is that literally any experiment, no matter how stupid or painful or expensive or unnecessary, can be conducted using tax dollars as long as you fill out the right paperwork. So you can literally poison dogs to death in experiments where you completely withhold pain relief from them, and that's legal. And government inspectors have no authority to stop that. Yeah, but we have people so who, who work for the local Humane Society. If they if they find out that a dog is chained up in the, on a hot day outside without water, they'll arrest the person who owns the dog. You know what? In, in most states in this country, and this will shock people, animal experimenters have worked with state legislators to write into federal law that anything they do in a laboratory is completely exempt from state cruelty laws. So if someone, you know, when I was in, uh, when I was in college, this is when I first got involved in uh, advocacy to, and taxpayer funded animal experiments, I discovered there was a monkey lab on campus and a cat lab on campus, and they were drilling into these animal skulls and damaging their brains. And at the same time, that was being funded by taxpayers with millions of dollars and approved by the university, approved by the federal government. At the same time, there was somebody who took a drill and, and drove it into their dog's head in their garage. That person was convicted of a felony, and they got deported. Meanwhile, people in white coats working in government-funded laboratories are being rewarded with raises and bonuses and new grants. And so we have a double standard here in this country. And they're not able to prove that what they're doing is benefiting anybody. No, they don't have to. There's absolutely no accountability and transparency. That is the big problem here is that the NIH is dishing out $20 billion a year for animal experiments, and we're not getting very much for it, and no one in the government seems to care. So that's why our perspective on this, our approach is stop the money, stop the madness, cut the funding off. If, if animal experimenters want to keep doing this, let them find funding somewhere else. Let them get private funding from Bill Gates or somewhere. But don't force taxpayers to fund these things when people are morally opposed to it, and it's not actually improving human health. Well, I'd be okay with seeing pictures of Dr. Fauci in a prison cell with flies buzzing around his head, but that's just me. Uh, <laughs> Justin, I, I appreciate you coming on, uh, and uh, keep up the good work, man. I, I really enjoy what you, I'm not enjoy, I really appreciate what you're doing. John, thanks so much for your support and for the opportunity to talk about our work. Anyone, if you're more interested, if you're interested in learning more, you could visit us on any social platform at White Coat Waste. Thank you very much, Justin Goodman. We'll be right back. This is Kurt Schlichter. When the left said it wanted to fundamentally transform America, what they really meant was they wanted to ruin everything good. Look at our cities. They're becoming cesspools of drug dealing, homelessness, and crime. From our woke criminal justice system to our failed public education system, whatever the left gets control of, it destroys. Even America's best-in-the-world military is in decline, thanks to a commander-in-chief who led our forces to a humiliating route in Afghanistan and shredded our country's power and credibility around the world. But as bad as things are, it is not too late to turn this around. That's why I wrote my latest book called We'll Be Back, The Fall and Rise of America. Whether it's enemies like China or the threat of socialism from inside our country, I write about what it will take to defend America's God-given rights. 
We'll be back as my roadmap back to America's greatness and prosperity. Read Kurt Schlichter's essential new book, We'll Be Back, The Fall and Rise of America, available at Amazon and wherever books are sold. International travel is open again. So now is the perfect time for that trip to Israel, the trip of a lifetime. A trip to the Holy Land will bring you face-to-face with one of the most fascinating countries on earth. More than just a vacation, this meaningful trip is your opportunity to enjoy the freedom to travel again. Walking the ancient streets of Jerusalem where Jesus walked, sailing the Sea of Galilee, and floating in the mineral-rich Dead Sea with its healing and rejuvenating power. Sebastian Gorka and Dinesh D'Souza, along with our trusted travel partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours, personally invite you to experience Israel with them this November. To book your trip to Israel, log on to StandWithIsraelTour.com. That's StandWithIsraelTour.com. Then call 855-565-5519 to secure your spot. Call today, 855-565-5519. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. So, um... Oh boy, we're living in an insane uh, world. Uh, a, a, a person I know told me that they got an email from someone today with an organization, uh, like a business email response, and included on it was uh, her pronouns. She signed, you know, she signed it, whatever her name was, and then it included her pronouns. Uh, that's where we are. So, uh, because of seven tenths of a percent of the uh, population, and that being the transgender community. Uh, but there, this is what I came across today. Uh, you know, Siri. The, you know what Siri is, and you know when you push, you know, hit your computer, and they say she she comes on and says whatever she says, and you say give them, give her something, and she'll give you the information. Well, uh, Apple has a new LGBTQ plus Siri voice. You can get it on your phone. It a- it adds a fifth American Siri voice. That isn't explicitly male or female. Now, I I played it. I think that's what it was, and it's uh, it's a ma- <laughs> it's a male. I think, but it's it's obviously a male. But it's an it's an effeminate male. So if you want that every time you're you're looking for some information, be my guest. You can have it at Siri. I don't. There's a way to get it if you want to put it on your phone. Go ahead and do it. But if you want an effeminate man telling you how to find your way, go ahead and live it up. I'll talk to you tomorrow. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of Salem Media Group and sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow fan. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.